Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here, you'll learn about how to grow your building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're dying. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Remember, to get notified about new episodes, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. That way, you won't miss any of our expert guests that we bring on the show. In addition, as a special thank you for being a listener of the podcast, we've got some special bonuses for you. Just go to builderfunnel.com slash podcast. Again, hit that subscribe button to stay in the loop and go to builderfunnel.com slash podcast for your special bonuses. Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode number 30 with Mark Raffin. And in this episode, we talk about negotiations. And so we talk about how to plan and prepare for a negotiation, and then actually how to execute a negotiation and finally wrap up the negotiation. So I think you'll get a ton out of this. It applies in multiple areas of your business. So stay tuned and enjoy episode 30 with Mark Raffin. Hey, Mark, glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, buddy. I really appreciate it. It's truly an honor. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for our conversation today because we're going to dive into the world of negotiation, which I always think is uh, you know, interesting to talk about whether you feel like you're a strong negotiator or not. You know, I think there's a lot to learn and it kind of gets into some of the psychology and, and some things uh, that I think are pretty interesting. But before we get all the way into negotiation. I'm just curious, you know, uh, maybe give us a little bit of background and kind of how, how did you get into this space to begin with? Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey. And, you know, I, right out of university, I started off in sales, um, did super well, loved it, and then realized very quickly that I, I wanted to be in procurement. Um, so after sales, a couple of years, I went into the procurement side of the world um, worked my way through from being a buyer to through category management teams, led a few teams, and then um, you know sales and procurement, high volume negotiation type roles. Um, got my taste of everything from five thousand dollar deals to three hundred and fifty million dollar deals, and sort of everything in between. So, uh, <laughs> bombed on a few of them, uh, and was successful on a lot more, which is super fortunate and. Uh, then I decided that I was getting bored and started up Negotiations Ninja, um, and we're all about uh, content, coaching, and training. So that's what we do now. That's cool. Yeah. So I mean, you really, I mean, you learned it trial by fire, just you know, doing deals and having yeah, negotiated. a lot every of it. Day. A lot of it was. <coughs> pardon me. A lot of it was on the job, um, learning from people that had gone before me. Uh, learning what worked for my personality style, my personality profile, the type of job that I was in. But then I also really, I, I dedicated myself to a lot of personal improvement on negotiation. So I read and still read a ton on um, on negotiation, sales, procurement, business, communications. Um, I've, I'm a very big subscriber to uh, the the idea that leaders are readers. So I usually get through at least one book a week, and I do a lot of listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of material. Um, so and then I try to apply that knowledge because the knowledge itself is pretty useless unless you apply it. Yeah. So I've I've been able to learn from a lot of the greats that have come before me. I mean, the only reason I'm here today is because I stand on the shoulders of giants, right? So. Um, when you think about guys like Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar, um, even Tony Robbins, um, 
you know, these kinds of guys have really been around for a really long time and learning stuff from them has been truly beneficial. Yeah, that's super cool. And I'm sure, you know, you've, like you said, you've learned a combination from reading and learning from others, but then also, you know, just being in it and actually executing it and applying that. I'm kind of curious, you said you, you've bombed on a few deals and you obviously won on a lot more, but, um, are there any lessons that really stand out from either some of those deals that went south on you or ones that, that were maybe particularly successful? Yeah, the the vast majority of the deals that went south are pretty much solely because of me. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to be able to blame it on someone else. Yeah. Dang it. Uh, dang. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty much because of my ego uh, more than anything else uh, and and not being able to humble myself enough to listen to the other party that I was negotiating with. Uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest drawbacks that a lot of people in negotiations and sales and procurement have is they, they're they so eager to get to the next level or get to the next phase of the negotiation that they sometimes don't listen. Mm. Uh, and I've learned the hard way that listening is the easiest road to getting a deal done. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, that darn ego gets in the way in a lot of scenarios, oh, I yeah. feel like. So, uh, well, you said, uh, you, you know, you did that for a while, and then you kind of got bored and then decided to, you know, start teaching negotiations to other. I mean, is that really what happened and how that transition came along? Or did that just sound exciting? Yeah. Like, hey, I want to pass <laughs> this knowledge along? Or, you know? uh, it's, yeah, it, I, I'm making it sound way more smooth than it actually was. <laughs> well, it's all um, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, man, when was it? It was just over, probably over a year ago now where I was in a pub with a friend of mine and I had already started up the negotiations ninja blog had seen a little bit of success on that and was, you know, it was my creative outlet was really enjoying that and Mm -hmm. was complaining to a friend of mine in a pub that look, there are no great negotiations podcasts out there. Um, it really upset me. And then, you know, we were two or three beers in and he said, well, you should start one. I said, no, I'm not going to start one. That's like a ton of work. Plus I have a full-time job and I got this blog that I'm writing. Uh, and then I had two or three more beers and it sounded like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I kind of dived in head first uh, without doing any research whatsoever. Nice. Um, which in retrospect was actually a really good decision because I think if I had done the research, I probably wouldn't have done it just because of the amount of learning that I had to do, the learning curve for me was huge, <laughs> like hosting and audio and all that fun stuff. So I, and I had no idea what I was doing still. I'm learning a ton. Um, and then, uh, I started getting a few requests from people for training. You know, people would you know send me an email saying, Hey, listen to your podcast. It was really good. Do you provide training? Uh, and first I said, no, um, because I had a full-time job and I was doing this podcast and then the blog as well. And it was just too much going on. Uh, and then more and more people started reaching out. And then I thought, well, maybe this is something that I should be doing. Uh, so I started doing that part-time, uh, had a side hustle for a while. And then it got to the point where it was just too much for me to do both, um, my full-time job and the side hustle. So launched myself into full-time entrepreneurship and here I am today. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, and I feel like that's, 
that's such a great path to take where you kind of, you know, you had this area of, you know, interest slash expertise, and then you built more and more expertise and did it on the side, you know, and then you realize, hey, people are reaching out, you know, and, and there's true demand. And, you know, I can help these businesses, you know, I have a lot to offer them. And, and then that took over, which I think, um, you know, probably in your shoes is a nice way to do it. Cause some people will just jump ship all the way, you know, and then they go, yeah. Oh, it either works or it doesn't, but you were actually able to see like, Hey, people are, are reaching out and, and I'm able to help them. And that, that's super cool. So you kind of were able to validate that, that business plan. Totally. Yeah. So, well, let's dive into kind of some of the strategies and tactics around negotiation. And, you know, you and I were talking before the show, you know, where should we kind of position this? And I think an area where a lot of, um, you know, builders run into this is negotiating with subcontractors, Yeah. you know, so I guess, is there kind of like a good framework that we should start with that you typically talk to people about, Hey, when you're, entering into a situation where you have to negotiate, this is kind of how you should approach it at a high level. Yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, whenever we think of builders and we're, if we're thinking of single family dwellings or multifamily dwellings, um, the, the framework remains the same. I don't know if it really changes based on the type of building that you have. The first thing that everyone needs to know if you're in any kind of construction is to know what you want. And I, I know that sounds super basic and everyone's <laughs> probably rolling their eyes going, of course you should know what you want, but it should, you'd be very surprised as to how many people I actually speak to that don't actually know what they want. They know what the problem is and they know that they need to fix the problem or they know what the opportunity is and they, they know that they need to take advantage of the opportunity, but they don't know what to do to take advantage of that opportunity or to solve that problem. So be very clear about what it is you want um, and go so far as to very clearly write it down. And so like when I say things like that, people are like, okay, you know, if I'm negotiating with a subcontractor, my goal is to save X amount of dollars in the next negotiation. If it's a framer, or if it's you know someone doing electrical or whatever it may be, but that's too broad. Be a lot more specific. So okay. if you're going to write down what you want, and it's like it's like almost setting goals for your negotiation, right? So uh, write down you know if I if we're going to be negotiating, for example, let's just say it's someone running electrical inside single family dwellings, and their general hourly rate or their project rate is X per hour. Um, then you want to negotiate a discount off of that by a certain percentage point. And you could go so far as to getting a better understanding of really breaking down the costs that are involved in that labor rate. So for example, if you're in Colorado, um, there's the base wage that the contractor is paying their employees, right? Sure. There's the workers' compensation insurance. Uh, there's the employment state insurance. There's the retirement benefits that they may be paying into. There's understanding any kind of collective agreement for a union that you might be paying. Uh, the overhead that's involved, and not just thinking about the overhead, but what's included in the overhead. So most people confuse um, variable costs into the overhead. Overhead is generally a fixed cost formula. So things like utilities, um, rent, 
salaries of management, those types of things, get a really good understanding of what's included in the overhead costs of the hourly employee, because by the way, you're paying for those overhead costs. <laughs> um, profit, how much profit is the company actually making per hour off of those employees? So if you can actually understand what the full breakdown of the labor hour includes, then it becomes much easier to have the conversation around, okay, how much should I be paying? What's, what's the should cost on this labor hour? And if you can understand what the should cost of the labor hour is, then it becomes a fairly straightforward logical math argument around, okay, I'm not going to pay for you, know, you to drive the best BMW in the city, <laughs> but I am reasonably going to pay for you know, these other items. Um, so just be very careful around your should costing methodology and your should costing modeling. Um, sometimes can be challenging to get those numbers from your subcontractors, but the more and more you try to get those numbers and start building out your cost modeling, the easier the conversation becomes. That's super interesting. Cause I feel like just that alone, there's a lot of research there involved and people probably don't don't do half or a quarter of that going into a negotiation. So I feel like that alone is super helpful to just think through, you know, I like how you framed it. What should this cost? Cause you want to be reasonable. Obviously you're not trying to develop a relationship where you're having somebody work with you and they're just losing money on everything and yeah. that's not sustainable. Uh, so how do you go about uncovering this information? You said, you know, do you just ask some of these questions directly or is a lot of like market research and kind of like a lot of, a lot of the information can be found through market research that you're doing online. So for example, if you're doing any kind of union labor work, most of that information is available in collective agreements. Um, and it breaks it down very in a very detailed manner. Um, construction trade associations have a lot of that information in terms of benchmarking information. So you can go to your trade associations to really understanding what your should cost should be. Um, and then if you've got a really good relationship with one of your contractors, it's great to sit down with them. And if you think it's going to be a long-term relationship, sit down with them and actually go through developing that should cost model. Um, because you've got a good relationship with them, they should be fairly open about sharing that information with you. Um, some people can get very guarded with that information, and rightfully so. Like there's, there's no reason they should share it with you. Um, <laughs> right, that was kind of my first thought. Yeah, so there's no, there's no reason they should share it with you. But ultimately, if you want to build a more competitive model, um, you're going to need to get that information over time, um, and. To a large extent, it it's dependent somewhat on your leverage within the industry. So let's just say, for example, you're a bigger builder, then you can command more respect when it comes to transparency of the costs that are involved within your business. And then a lot of that information is, is publicly available, right? Like go to the sure. trade associations, go to the union agreements, get a good understanding of what the market is actually offering. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So the first step is to kind of understand what you want out of the negotiation and then yeah. start to look up some costs and get some information on what, what should it cost? Um, are the, what are the kind of the next steps then? So, I mean, ultimately when we're thinking about what it is you want to get out of it, it's not necessarily just about price and cost, right? So it could be about reducing risk. 
Mm-hmm. It could be about ensuring supply of goods. Um, so if you've you if there's a labor uh, a lumber shortage, for example, or a steel shortage, like we're going through all this tariff stuff with NAFTA, for example, right? So if you're if you're thinking that there might be a shortage in some sort of capacity, then make sure making sure you've got security of supply is a big deal. So be very careful that you don't just limit yourself to just cost or price because that's usually uh, it's definitely a big part of the conversation, but it's not the whole conversation. So make sure that you're identifying areas that also make sense that are outside of that price and cost discussion. Um, so once you've got a good idea of what it is you want, then it becomes a factor of, okay, now that I know what I want, how much should I be paying for that? And at what level makes sense for my organization? The first thing that you need to fully understand um, in the negotiation is the point where you're going to walk away. Mm. So if, if I'm the home builder and I know for electrical, um, trade guys that, you know, that at a certain price, I, I have to walk away because I just, I can't afford it. Or the market dictates that I can get plenty of other people at a, at a better price. Then I need to be able to be very clear that internally within my own mind, at this point, I must walk away and write it down on the sheet of paper next to the hourly wage. <laughs> yeah. that, like, Be very, very clear with yourself because so often we get caught up in the emotions of a negotiation and everything sounds amazing and we haven't run the numbers and then we shake hands with someone and we sign a contract and we walk away going, oh crap, I don't. I'm actually losing money on this deal or I'm not making as much money as I should or I didn't get the deal that I wanted to. So just be very clear with yourself about where you're going to walk away and at what point makes sense for your organization to move the conversation forward. Um, Once you're done that piece, then it becomes a discussion with the vendor of, okay, what are you offering? Um, Why should I be interested? Like what value other than, you know, hot bodies are you providing? Um, You know, the experience level of your trades, um, how, you know, any kind of cross certifications that they may have. So if they're electrical, can they also do, you know, framing if I need them in a pinch? Or if they're, you know, doing plumbing work, can they also do the gas fitting work or whatever it may be, right? Sure. Um, So understanding if there's any cross certifications, what kind of value you're getting out of them, and then actually having the conversation about value. What am I getting for my money? And that's when you get into the actual negotiation. But everything up until that point has really just been about planning and research. And that's where most people in negotiations drop the ball is they they don't put enough planning and research into the discussion, into the negotiation, and then they end up getting a bad deal and they wonder why. Well, the reason why is because you didn't plan. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just a quick reminder that this show is brought to you by Builder Funnel. We're a digital marketing agency specialized in helping home builders, remodelers, and contractors like yourself grow their businesses. We help you implement marketing and sales technology, such as marketing automation and a CRM system, as well as drive more traffic, leads, and sales through strategies like content marketing, SEO, social media, paid traffic, and email marketing. If you want to learn more and see if we're a good fit, just send a quick email to hello at builderfunnel.com and mention the podcast. I'll schedule a one-on-one website and digital marketing assessment with you where I'll take a look at your website, show you some areas where you can improve, and we can see if we're a good fit. If you haven't noticed already, our company is huge on education. 
We host this podcast, create tons of videos, and create helpful blog posts to educate you guys on marketing and sales. I'll pack a ton of value into the website assessment, and I'll never pressure you to buy from us, although we're confident you'll improve your marketing and sales efforts by doing so. Again, send me a quick note to hello at builderfunnel.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. And I mean, I wouldn't have thought of that, you know, putting in all this research prior to actually going in and having that discussion. And and I really like your points too about just what's the number that I'm going to walk away from. Because then it's easy once you get into the conversation, you go, okay, if it ever gets down to here, then I can walk away and I can feel good about it because I already researched it and planned for this scenario. Yeah, and I think the key thing that people get stuck on is being able to walk away. The only reason you're able to walk away is because you have another option to walk away to, right? Sure. So what is what is your plan B? Um, negotiators or people in the negotiation profession call it a BATNA, a best alternative to a negotiated agreement. That's just a fancy way of saying what's your <laughs> option B. Sure. Um, so if you get to a, a point where you have to walk away, do you have something else of equal or slightly lesser value that you can walk away to? Um, and that's critical to have because that's your biggest leverage point. Because if you're in a position where you have to make a deal and the other party finds out that you have to make a deal, you're stuck. You have yeah. to pay whatever they ask for. Yeah, you're toast. Yeah. yeah. So so you would recommend then having plan B in your pocket prior to that conversation. Because then you, you have more confidence going into that. Yeah, always. Always have a good BATNA. It's called Best Alternative to a Negotiated Agreement or Plan B. Have a good plan B before you go in and start negotiating. Gotcha. Yeah, Don't that try makes sense. A bit after the fact. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, what do you think is the most critical element to getting a negotiation to actually arrive at your desired outcome? You know, maybe not your your last case scenario, or you've been negotiated down. You know, is there is there one thing that kind of stands out? Yeah, I'm. I know it sounds super cliched, but I'm going to go back to the listening thing that I said earlier. Um, so many of us in negotiations are so eager to get to. Um, the next deal or close the deal quickly so that we can move on, especially in construction where, um, you know, building timelines are sometimes tight. And when we think about um, winter, which is just upon our doorstep and we're trying to get things done before the snow flies or before ground freezes, then, you know, we're trying to rush things and um, build that kind of stuff into your timelines. You do it for building. So why not do it for negotiation? Uh, and, and really listen, take the time to listen to the other party and the quality of answers that you get is often a result of the quality of questions that you ask. So if you're going to be asking questions of the other party, uh, try and keep them as open ended as possible. So things that don't necessarily end in a yes or a no, for example, can we get a discount? No. Okay. That probably wasn't the best way to ask yeah. that question. Dang it. Done. Maybe you would start, maybe you would start that conversation by uh, what are some of the challenges that your organization is facing in relation to its labor supply right now? And then you can start the conversation around supply and value and what drives that value, what drives that supply and is price a part of that discussion? And then you can start digging further. But Try and keep it open-ended to begin with because then that drives further opportunities for you to leverage on later on in the conversation. But ultimately, your biggest point of understanding that is your ability to listen and to make sure that you're actually hearing what the other party is saying and write notes. If you have to, write notes, 
make sure you get it all written down, summarize the conversation, and make sure you get a really good understanding of what the concessions are and what you've made as a result of your negotiation. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And when you get into that actual conversation, you know, you've done your research, you know what your backup plan is, you know what your number is. How does that conversation unfold? I know you said asking some open-ended questions. Is that typically how you start the conversation? Absolutely. Um, and are there some other good questions to to ask to kind of, you know, get you on that path to getting where you want to go? Yeah. So think of it from the perspective of what the other party is looking for in the negotiation as well, right? Because ultimately you're trying to drive to something that makes sense for them and also makes sense for you. So if you're thinking from your perspective as well as their perspective, it should be fairly easy for you to come up with questions um, that make sense for the deal. Um, So if, for example, you're trying to drive something around price and you started that conversation around challenges with labor supply, then if they answered something, for example, like, well, right now we're having a, a lot of trouble finding people in, you know, these maybe three geographic areas, um, then you could, you know, maybe you've got building in that those three ge- geographic areas. And then you would say, well, do you see this being an issue in other parts of your business? What do you think is generating this kind of a labor problem? And then you can get into a conversation of, okay, well, maybe I actually have to spend more money to get better quality people to these geographic areas and it's going to cost me more money. Maybe then that's a conversation that you don't want to have with that labor supplier. But if you, if you don't ask those questions, then you're never going to know. So that's why it's so important to like plan your questions beforehand. Don't try and think. And again, we get back to planning and preparation, (laughs) right? Don't try and think of those questions on the fly because you're not going to be able to think of all those things on the spot. It's rare that you come across someone that's that good in a negotiation where they're starting to think of all their needs and the other party's needs on the fly (laughs) at all times and be able to cover everything. It's just not going to happen. So write it down, make sure that you're prepared going in to ask those questions, and then ask the other party whether or not this conversation is meeting their expectations and what did they want to get out of this negotiation. Because there's something that they want too. And it's not just more money, right? There's a why behind that more money. Why do you want that more money? Is it to expand? Is it to get into a new market? Why do you want to do business with us? Uh, Why is our name important to you? Why do you want to develop this partnership? All those kinds of questions are critical in you developing your leverage so that later on when you ask for that concession and you've really understood that they really need this business because they want your brand attached to their electrical work, (laughs) then you can say, well, I mean, if you really want to make that work, then you're going to have to reduce your prices. But you can only do that if you ask those questions. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. As you were talking through that, I'm thinking, well, a lot of these questions, you know, obviously they're helping you build leverage in certain areas and you're kind of uncovering these leverage points and, and you don't know where they're going to be until you ask the questions. But I'm also guessing that part of it is that will help you figure out if there truly are some easy win-wins, which obviously make any negotiation easier if both people can can win. Is that the case or, or is it all about leverage? No, truly, it, it, you're, you hit it right on the head. I think um, un- unless you're going through those, that process and asking those questions, then you're never going to be able to uncover a quick win. Something that could be just below the surface of the conversation would never come up 
if you didn't ask that question, right? So there may be an opportunity where you're like, oh, holy cow, you have labor supply in every one of our geographic areas. Fantastic. Like quick win. Perfect. No one else can do that. Only you as an organization can meet all of our geographic requirements. And by the way, that's super high on the, our needs list. Checkmark. Perfect. Now we're actually ready to have a real conversation about, okay, now let's just plan at this point. If you can do all of those things, we're just at a point of planning. Um, so yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And ultimately, you're going to have to close the negotiation at some point in time, right? You can't just ask questions till the end of time. Sure, sure. So yeah. once you've gotten to a point that makes sense for both you and the other party, make sure you're very clear on what it is you're both committing to. Um, the vast majority of issues that I see in contracts that are developed between uh, construction uh, um, builders and trades that they hire are the scopes of work that are involved, mm. not necessarily the terms and conditions that are attached to it, because usually you can get through that with some legal finagling. But usually the scope of work is where most things fall flat. And that's a result of not knowing what you want. So be very clear of writing down exactly what's included in the scope of work. And don't be afraid to be very specific. Um, because you're gonna, you may, God forbid, you may get into a situation where there's a misunderstanding on the scope of work, and the builder thinks one thing, and the trade thinks another thing, and then they do the wrong thing, and then they screw up the build, and then you hold them accountable for something that they didn't understand in the first place because it wasn't very clear in the scope of work. So just make sure that you really, really define the scope of work really well. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's an important step. So you you ask your questions, you uncover uncover leverage points or potential win wins, and then you have to tie it down. So you summarize and make sure everybody's clear on what they're doing on both sides. So I'm curious, what's what do you think is the biggest mistake that people make when negotiating? Uh, aside from not listening, I would say. Um, being in too much of a hurry mm. to close. People put unreasonable time expectation, expectations on, on negotiations um, and, and trying to close too quickly without actually fully understanding what the deal's included in. Don't be unreasonable with your time expectations and, and really think very clearly about how long it actually takes to get something done, which construction guys are not, they're not foreign to, right? Like they understand construction and how long things to take get take to get done in construction. So just use that same knowledge base and apply it to the negotiation and build that into your planning framework. So if you if you've got a Gantt chart and you're planning out your builds and at the beginning of the negotiation you have to fully understand for that subdivision or whatever it is you're building into, um, all the trades that need to be involved and the negotiations that need to take place, build in the negotiation aspect into that timeline so that you, you can account for it during that build process. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think that's a, a good, I don't know, uh, lesson for people to, to remember um, when they're thinking about just this whole process. Cause I would imagine, Hey, we've all negotiated. We've all been in these different scenarios, but we've probably done like little bits and pieces of what you've kind of walked us through today. So, um, well, Mark, this has been awesome. I have one last question for you today. Um, but before I get to that, how can my audience connect with you? How can they find you online? That sort of thing. 
Uh, best way to find me is through my website. That's negotiations.ninja. Uh, negotiation with an S on the end, .ninja, not .com. Okay. Uh, and um, I'm all over social media. So if you just type that into uh, Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter, I'm all over the place. Okay. That's awesome. Well, we'll make sure to link those up in the show notes so people can connect with you. And uh, my last question for today is if you could leave our listeners with just one piece of advice, you know, when thinking about negotiation, what would that be? Plan, prepare, and practice. Plan, prepare, and practice. That's awesome. And with the practice, I guess I'll hit you up with a follow-up question too. With the practice, do you like to role play how that conversation will unfold or do you just kind of um, do that alone and kind of pretend how they might, uh, they might react to some of your questions. Definitely role play. If you can, you're not going to know what you want to say until you actually say it. So why wouldn't you say it before you have to say it? Yeah. So say those things, get someone to critique you role play the situation with someone that you trust within your organization and then go into the situation and practice a few times. If you have to just get the wording down, um, fully understand what it is you want to say, how you want to ask the questions that you want to ask. I mean, we really scratched the surface today of um, uh, timing and tonal inflection and body language and all those kinds of things that could go into it. Um, but role playing is, is, in my mind, it is essential to making sure you have a good negotiation. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that's great advice to, to part with today. And Mark, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. This was really, really helpful. Thank you very much for having me, Spencer. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Mark Raffin. And before you go, let's talk action items. I know you're on the go. So I'm going to break down what I thought you should take away from today's episode and hopefully what you can put into action right away and that is what Mark said right at the end of the episode, which was plan, prepare, and practice. So make sure that as you go into your next negotiation, you plan that out and do your research. So, um, you know, Mark talked about looking up, you know, hourly wages and what you maybe should be paying uh, and different information that's going to help you actually uh, figure out a number that you should pay. And then prepare. So think about your questions. Think about your number that you want to get out of this negotiation and anything that isn't price related or numbers related, you know, what do you want to get out of this and, and writing it down. And then that final step practice. So make sure you can find somebody to role play with practice it several times so that when you get into the heat of the conversation, the actual negotiation, then you'll be in great shape to get your outcome and what you want to get out of that. And before we wrap, I have two more quick things for you. If you got value of today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It means a lot and it helps us spread the word. And I've also got a question for you. I'd love to hear from you. So send us a quick note at hello at builderfunnel.com. I read every response. And that question is, what do you find yourself negotiating on most often? love to hear from you. Again, send that to hello at builderfunnel.com and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.